This episode may be triggering for folks who've had weight loss surgery. Please consider your needs and tread lightly. According to figures from Emergen Research, the global bariatric surgery market was valued at 2.4 billion US dollars in 2020 and is projected to reach 4.8 billion US dollars by 2028. That is 6.5 billion Australian dollars. Big money. Bariatric meaning pertaining to the treatment of weight. So the inherent assumption here is an anti-fat position one where higher weight is an issue to be treated and where weight loss is always seen as positive. Over the years, I've supported and continue to support clients who've had weight loss surgery. Their reasons for doing so are varied and not up for debate. Some do absolutely wish that they'd never had the surgery. As several have told me, Nadia, I wish I'd met you back then, which I find equally heartbreaking and hopeful. Most are left with lifelong consequences to the surgery and often no permanent fix to what they were seeking, whether that was a health concern, their relationship to food or their body image, the fix that weight loss surgery promised them. I'm Nadia Felsch, nutritionist and intuitive eating counsellor. In this podcast, we explore the practical aspects of leaving the diet mentality behind and finding your own food and body freedom. In this episode, I'll be covering weight loss surgery and what isn't being talked about. And I have the privilege and pleasure of speaking with Mariana Den Hollander for this exploration. Mariana is a multilingual writer, artist, and activist in the body liberation space. Mariana uses her experiences with weight loss surgery to support others, expressing them so powerfully through the written word. Upon reading an advanced copy of Mariana's book in its English translation, The Heaviest Surgery, I offered this review for her to publish. Mariana vulnerably shares her own experiences with weight loss surgery and the aftermath of that decision. Her compassionate words offer hard-to-find insights for those considering the surgery and validation for those who've had it. Mariana's story is all too common, and it's this reality of weight loss surgery that she shares to be of value for anyone in the vicinity of it, including health professionals. As a health at every size and anti-diet nutritionist, I frequently find myself at a loss as to why our societal values support weight loss at all costs, including surgery to a body to make this happen. Really? We hate fat that much? Yes. Yes, we collectively do. How we shame humans living in fat bodies with the incorrect assumption that it will help them, help them so-called take care of themselves, or that it's even our business, what someone else's body looks like. We literally make people more fat by fearing fat, by not making space for fat bodies in seating, in clothing, in the morning after pill, to name just a few. And yet, fat isn't inherently a problem. To be clear, the outcome measured by weight loss surgery is weight loss. I'd offer that it's weight loss at all costs, and that's a dangerous and limited perspective. The four most popular types of weight loss surgery are the bypass, the band, sleeve, and switch, each varying in their type of surgery and each presenting with its own complications. 
These I have discovered are not discussed, prioritized, or sometimes even known about as much as they should be, because there's that anti-fat perspective again. Whilst weight loss surgery is shown to have longer lasting weight loss than lifestyle changes or medication, that comes at a huge cost, financially and otherwise. I'll come back to this. In Australia, our National Health and Medical Research Council, the NHMRC, reviewed the evidence and asked the following questions, publishing their findings in 2013. They asked how much weight loss do surgical interventions achieve? So in patients with a BMI of over 35, surgery produces approximately 20 to 30% weight loss. Surgical procedures require significant follow-up and the potential for adverse outcomes needs to be assessed. So let's pause on this for a moment. The potential for adverse outcomes needs to be assessed as these surgical procedures require significant follow-up. Does this sound like solid medical ethics? Yeah? Except that adverse outcomes, which I will cover in a moment, are being assessed against the inherent belief of weight loss at all costs, that fat is always bad and that thin is always good. So now for the effectiveness findings published by the NHMRC, how effective are surgical interventions at maintaining weight loss in adults? Successful bariatric surgery is more effective than other treatments in maintaining weight loss over long-term follow-up. Some weight regain usually occurs within 5 to 10 years. Not quite sure what long-term follow-up is then. Weight gain absolutely happens with a lot of people post-weight loss surgery. But what else occurs too? I was interested in what Mariana was seeking from her initial weight loss surgery. In 2009, I was living in a medium, big, fat body. And I had already written my first book, The Heaviest Weight, where I talk about finding freedom and peace and acceptance in my own fat body. Back in a day where uh, body positivity didn't exist. And I was the only fat person I knew that was talking about, you know what? You don't need to lose weight to be happy or to live a joyful life. And after having published the book two years later, you know, I was living my life, giving workshops and and, and being very content uh, in my own body with myself. Um, Someone offered bariatric surgery to me as a gift. Uh, I don't know where that came from because we had never spoken about me and, you know, and my friend had already read my book, but she offered it. And and I said no immediately because I was completely aware that I was not going to be happier with uh, weight loss. I also didn't want to put my body at risk. So my no was immediate. And she said, you know what, go look it up online and you give me an answer. So I was looking for data that would give uh, my no an educated background. You know, I was trying to support my no to her and I couldn't find evidence or long-term side effects. I only found that you could uh, gain the weight back and that you had to take vitamins for life. Uh, But, you know, vitamins for life, I was already doing that. So it didn't sound like like a big side effect. However, There is a thought that came to me, you know, I had learned to live happy in my body, in my fat body, but there was always this uh, thought that sooner or later I had to lose weight uh, for health reasons. 
So that was always in the back of my head. It was a heavy thought because um, back then I was taught to see my fatness as if I had a tumor that it was about to explode at any moment. So beware the fat. Unfortunately, I, I still believe that. And while I was doing the research, I thought, what if this is the opportunity to lose weight for my health? So in my case, Nadia, I was 100% looking for a better health. Mind you, my body was extremely healthy. I had excellent numbers, you know, extremely vital. Um, you know, there was no indication of anything going wrong. I was just uh, in a weight that society considers sick and that I believed uh, was sick. Or sooner or later, it would be sick. So in my case, I decided to do uh, a sleeve gastrectomy, 100% looking for a better health. Weight loss surgery reduces body weight by stopping the body from receiving energy and nutrients as easily, either by restriction or malabsorption. So restriction in this case is referring to a reduction of food that can be eaten at one time, hence restricting food intake. So as now may be apparent when you consider how the surgeries are done, weight loss surgeries have long-term and in fact, lifelong nutritional considerations. A study of 60 people published in 2019 found that 70% of those who'd undergone a sleeve gastrectomy in the past five years had nutritional deficiencies. Of particular concern is iron deficiency, protein malnutrition, calcium, and vitamin D, which have a significant role to play in our overall health. And there's a long list of other nutrients, including vitamin A, K, E, B1, magnesium, zinc, copper, and selenium. There is also a documented increased risk of suicide following weight loss surgery. A paper published in 2019 by a previous podcast guest, Alexis Connison, discussed, and I quote, when compared to the World Health Organization's suicide data for the general population, one in 10,000, the investigators reported a fourfold increased risk of death by suicide among patients who underwent weight loss surgery, fourfold increased risk. From the clients that I've worked with, the majority had hoped that their weight loss surgery would improve their body image. This is often a primary focus. A 2019 systematic review said this about their findings. In conclusion, there is a paucity of research that examines the multidimensional elements of body image following bariatric surgery. Clinically speaking, and I want to acknowledge my niche and bias as I do support intuitive eating and body image healing, a focus on appearance and attribution of worth to it does not improve one's body image. Rather, it's the opposite, where the more we focus on what we look like, the worse we tend to feel about ourselves. Whilst the research on weight loss surgery and body image is scant, body image research generally also speaks to this clinical observation. So maybe it's a health focus, as Mariana shared. Though a person's values, life experience, including with weight discrimination, and overall expectations are all part of the picture that is someone's decision to undergo weight loss surgery. In her book, The Heavier Surgery, Mariana talks about a conversation she had post-surgery after watching the film Fatitude, and now into her recovery from diet culture with her nutritionist. Mariana asks, and I quote, but Raquel, what would have happened to my health if I had become fatter 
and started to have knee problems, sleep problems, cholesterol problems, or any of those things that we've been taught to see as a direct consequence of being overweight. So poignant for what many of us are led to believe about weight and health. I asked Mariana to share Raquel's response to her question and how it made her feel. So Raquel Lovaton is indeed my, my nutritionist. And after I watched Fatitude, you know, I had all these uh, thoughts uh, hitting on me, like, wait a second. So it turns out that this religion that I had been believing all this time, you know, fat equals unhealthy, all of a sudden it's not true. So, you know, I had so many questions and, and, and I asked indeed this, like, but wait a second, what if all of these diseases would have happened to me? And she looked at me uh, and she said, Marianita, then you get a treatment for it, like any other person. And I remember feeling like my mind blew away in pieces. It's like, ah, it blew away in pieces because her answer was so simple and so obvious. And yet, why was I making such a huge story about the end of times? You know, I mean, my partner has had super high cholesterol since he was 30 something and he's never experienced um, fatness in any way whatsoever on the contrary so exactly what do you get when 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 you get sick a treatment that clear and uh, this this changed my life completely just realizing like i was chasing uh, an imaginary devil Uh, or, or an imaginary ghost that was going to attack me, and yet it was never there. Imagine you're told by your doctor, by your friends, family, and really everyone, that how puffed you get climbing stairs is a real concern. It may have real consequences on your health, and you're also living in a fat body. Because of our anti-fat society, these two realities are conflated you very likely interpret your limited cardio fitness as a result of your body size and only your body size. And yet this isn't the case. Body size and weight are not behaviors. Exercise is. And whilst one can influence the other, with weight not being under our exclusive control, this conflation is unfair and unhelpful. So now imagine this same scenario where fat is not a problem. Would you simply view your cardio fitness level as what it is, and if you wanted to, take steps to improve it? That's the underpinning simplicity and ethos of health at every size in many ways. Taking weight out of the picture when it comes to pursuing health-promoting behaviors and advocating for all bodies to be treated with dignity and respect. Knowing that Mariana has come to learn about and use the principles of haze in her recovery since having weight loss surgery, I wanted to ask if she would have done anything differently had she known about Hayes pre-surgery. My God, well, first of all, I wouldn't have even considered the surgery because I would have just understood that, well, first of all, I already knew I was happy and I would have already understood that I was healthy. And even if I would have had high cholesterol back then or high blood pressure back then, When you understand health at every size, then you know that what you need is a treatment. Another thing that I have come to understand since uh, last year through, through this path of, of intuitive eating and, and health at every size is that 
movement is so important. You know, not weight loss. Movement is like at the core of optimal health, of improve improvements in our health. So I wish I could have learned to relate to exercise, to movement from a, a loving, intuitive place and not from this uh, disciplined weight loss almost like a dictatorship regime, you know, that you have to do for the rest of your life because otherwise the big devil is going to come chase you or something, you know. I would I would have never, ever done surgery. That's one. And for sure, I would have worked on on getting movement into my life, you know. And, and it's so funny. now Nowadays, we have so many athletes in, in all sizes that are running marathons, that have accounts, but back in 2009, there weren't, you know, so I still, I, I never knew that if I wanted to run a marathon by, back then, I could have. Yeah, maybe I would have to train for a way longer period, but I could have. I would have just focused on continue to be happy on working, working out my traumas, my psychological issues, because that's always important for everyone's health and, you know, keep being happy. The same uh, successful Mariana that that I was before the surgery, without the, the privilege of, of thinness. I don't know about you, but I hate that any human being was made to feel she needed to amputate parts of her body in the name of so-called health. I find it astonishing that while societal conditioning is so clearly anti-fat, and it would seem literally any measure in pursuit of weight loss is upheld as good, we are not at least also looking at more inclusive and less invasive measures. Mariana says she didn't even know that fat bodies were allowed to be active, were capable of it. She didn't see that. She didn't hear that. There was no space for that. Imagine if she had seen a diverse range of bodies moving and enjoying themselves, reaping all of those benefits. Imagine what could have changed for her, for so many. I share with Mariana a dedication to changing this societal norm about bodies and making equitable space for all bodies to exist and to thrive. What I don't share is lived experience of living in a fat body, of facing weight discrimination or fear of her fat body that in Mariana's words felt like an imaginary ghost coming to attack me. Nor do I have the experience of having had weight loss surgery. To this end, I was curious what Mariana wishes she'd known before her surgery, and she breaks it into several parts. Size-accepting perspectives on health behaviors, significant side effects, including malnutrition, as she says, being a patient for life, the ongoing financial commitments to manage those effects, the pressure to remain thin, and the varied and lifelong impacts of the surgery. Up until that moment, when I heard the term health at every size, it sounded like such a nice concept to me. But once I watched that movie, Faritude, I turned it off and I immediately understood what it meant. You know, health can be achieved or present at any size. And this is the first moment that I said to myself, oh, my God. I did my bariatric surgery for completely the wrong reasons. You know, I never got health. I was already healthy. That's, this is when I understood 
that health has nothing to do with the uh, size of your body. And I really wish I'd known this back then. I also wish I had known about the side effects, Nadia. And I mean like the side effects across the board. For example, financially. In my case, um, bariatric surgery was a gift, so I didn't have to pay for it. But if I would have understood the level of financial expenses that I was going to have to cover because of bariatric surgery, I would have never done it just because I couldn't have afforded it. So for example, they said, you have to take vitamins for life. Wait, it's not just any vitamins that you get at the pharmacy. It's bariatric vitamins that are very specific for our bodies. And that by the way, not all countries have. So depending on the country that you live, you may not even be able to find them. And they are super expensive. Plus, it's not that you have to take vitamins for life. No, the side effect is the side effect is you're going to suffer malnutrition for life and and in regards to doctors i need to get blood tests full blood tests complete blood tests sorry every three to four months i have to go to the doctor at least every two months these are all uh, bills that if you start looking at them on a yearly basis it adds up and in my case, uh, gastric sleeve has cost me to get two extra surgeries. One for the for my gallbladder; it had to be removed because I got pancreatitis, and then um, a whole stomach reconstruction with the gastric bypass that I had to get in 2019. So these these are things that are not being mentioned as part of the side effects of bariatric surgery that really have to be there because many people get um, in debt in order to get these surgeries, but they're not planning for what's coming in the long term. Also, uh, for example, in the last two years, I wouldn't have been able to work. I haven't worked in the last two years and I would not be able to go to work today. So if you are a person who depends on your salary, monthly salary, this is really important to know. This thing of, of being a patient for life, it means that when you're on holiday, you never know if you're going to be able to go whitewater rafting because maybe that day you got heavy diarrhea and you got dehydrated and you just cannot move from the sofa, you know? And it's really like that. That's how I live. There are so many psychological and mental side effects to the massive weight loss of bariatric surgery that we're also not talking about. For example, the pressure that you feel to stay thin, to stay at the weight that you reach once you get the surgery. And it's three times more pressure than you had before because um, there is also shame involved in bariatric surgery because you took the easy way out, quote unquote. People mm, misjudge how much that pressure can actually end up being a stress creator that makes you want to eat more psychological side effects that end up actually working against you and make you uh, have a, a worse or, a, or diminish your relationship with food. When I talk to a lot of people who have had bariatric surgery, many times I feel so lucky that I'm not even as bad as they are, because it's it's really horrific. 
and and I'm not trying to scare people. I'm I'm really just trying to inform that there was so much that I didn't know could happen and that happens to a lot of people. I often reflect on the aspect of healthcare through our Western lens that doesn't make space for or often even consider lived experience. And yet it's vital. It must form part of the picture and of our understanding. I'm so grateful to Mariana for sharing her story with me, with us. And I asked what her ultimate message is in sharing her story. And that she considers what she'd offer a friend considering weight loss surgery with compassion says so much about her and her intention. The book is meant for for people who are thinking about it to have enough information to make an educated decision and for people who already got it to know about what may happen or how to better take care of themselves. If my best friend was about to get bariatric surgery, I would really try to give her as much information as possible to hopefully not do it. Because I definitely don't believe in bariatric surgery in any case, unless it's going to save your life from a terrible situation that you have going on inside your body. However, I want to make clear that I do not judge people who get bariatric surgery and who still decide to do it, even if they are very aware of the side effects, because the trauma of living in a fat body in this fat phobic society is so huge that we can just not judge or or say what's good or bad for, for each person. And I, I want to make sure that uh, whoever is listening knows that I completely understand if, if you decide to go through with it because it's so traumatic also to live in a fat body in this society. Mariana's second book, The Heaviest Surgery, was published in Spanish in 2020 and is soon to be released in English. For the links and notes from today's exploration of weight loss surgery, including research papers and how to find Mariana and her books, head to my website, nadiafelsch.com forward slash podcast. Alternatively, you'll find the link in your podcast player. Thank you for joining me. See you next time. If you'd like to get in touch with me, learn about my current group program offerings and client availability, the best way to do that is via my website, www.nadiafelsch.com. You'll also find my Facebook group, Food and Body Freedom, and on Instagram and TikTok, my handle is at Nadia Felsch. 